Imagine a world where you had to be constantly aware of keeping your distance from others. Where the idea of sitting at a table and eating with a stranger just filled you with suspicion. Not knowing where that other person had been, not knowing what they've touched, who they've been in contact with, and fearing that exposure to them might compromise you, might taint you, might make you unclean. Can you imagine a world like that? Well, <laughs> right now you probably can. But in, imagine instead of being worried about catching a virus, a virus which is, whose presence and effects can be measured and traced, imagine what you were afraid of catching was sin, uh, immorality, uncleanness before God. Afraid because there is no vaccine, there's no preventative, there's no cure. And afraid because if you're seen in contact with that person, if, if you're associated with that person, you would be viewed as unclean also. And you would have no place in a society among the people who are acceptable. Because society assumes that God has rejected you just as they have rejected you. I remember Kathy. She lived in the little town where I preached many years ago. And everyone in town could have told you what Kathy had done wrong. Kathy had been in just one bad relationship after another, one uncaring man using her after another. And in Kathy's mind, that's what, that's what love was. That's all she had ever known, and that's how she proved her worth to people. When we spoke, what I heard was broken. What I heard was loneliness. She couldn't trust anyone. I invited her to church. I invited her again and again, but she always said, you, you wouldn't want me there because everyone in this town knows who I am and what I am. There's something of Kathy's story in the encounter that we have in Luke chapter 7. Last week, we ended the, the story we looked at last week in Luke 7. We ended that story in verse 34 with Jesus saying of himself, he says, the Son of Man, that is Jesus, has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That's quite an indictment against Jesus. But here, he's invited to the home of a man named Simon, a Pharisee, a member of the uncontaminated, the, the clean people. But an uninvited guest shows up, an unwelcome guest. We are never given her name. Everything we know about her we find in verse 37, a woman of the city who was a sinner. That's everything we need to know. That's everything her neighbors knew about her. We meet this woman in Luke chapter 7, verses 35 through 50. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, 
she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kiss his feet and anoint them with the ointment. And now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, well, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering him said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I think about Kathy. I think about her belief that she wasn't welcome at church her belief that she wasn't welcome before God. God doesn't want me. The church doesn't want me because of the things that I have done. Maybe you know someone who thinks like that. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's you. And it's sad that those perceptions don't come from Jesus. They don't come from his example. They don't come from what we see in, in, in this story here. Those perceptions come from the way others have treated those people and, and others maybe have treated you, even the church, even Christians, which means that every one of us who calls ourselves a Christian, we need to ask ourselves, do we welcome the people Jesus welcomes? Now, I want you to hear that carefully. Do we welcome the people Jesus welcomes? I did not say invite. There is a difference. Inviting is easy. To invite people to church, to invite people, all you need is a sign telling them when to be there and, and what the address is. All you need is a card to invite someone. All you need maybe is just an ad in the newspaper. But welcoming someone, welcoming someone, that's, that's work. That involves knowing them. That involves hearing them. That involves speaking to them. Welcoming is about making a place for them. It might even be about giving up your seat for them. The way you welcome someone communicates how you value them. Verse 36, again, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. <laughs> we know the man's name. We're told a little later he is Simon. We know his status. He is a Pharisee. 
We know that he has asked Jesus to come eat with him. And in that world, to be invited to share a meal, that was intimate. That was personal. And also, going to someone's house in that day meant traveling not on sidewalks, not on nice paved roads, but on dirt roads where people had thrown out just about everything into the street. It meant dust rising and, and getting all over you. It meant, it meant traveling under hot sun in, in very dry conditions. And so traditionally, when you entered someone's house, the way they welcomed you was to provide you with water to wash your feet, or perhaps someone would wash your feet for you. They would greet you with a kiss. That was the, the standard greeting. And they would offer you some oil because of the, the, the bright sun, the, the, the heavy sunlight, and, and the, uh, the air condition they would offer you some oil for your head for your hair to to freshen up Simon invited Jesus to dinner but he did none of the things to welcome him we might ask why why didn't he do these things? These were socially acceptable. This is what you did. These were traditional things. These was, this was how it was done. And the answer is likely that Simon didn't think Jesus was worthy. Simon didn't think Jesus was clean. We just need to back up again to verse, to verse 34 and remember that, that, that it says Jesus is a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And if Simon knew that, if he's been with those people, then he's not worthy of my welcoming. He's not worthy of my water. He's not worthy of my oil. He's certainly not worthy of my kiss of greeting. Last year, about a year ago this time, we, we lost a wonderful lady named Rachel Held Evans. Rachel was an author and speaker. Rachel was controversial. She was also very loving, very encouraging, and, and very insightful. This is something that Rachel wrote. Rachel wrote, this is what God's kingdom is like. A bunch of outcasts and oddballs gathered at a table not because they are rich or worthy or good, but because they are hungry, because they said yes, <laughs> and there's always room for one more. Folks, if, if we're not communicating that, we're not communicating the kingdom. If we're not presenting an authentic picture of Jesus to the Cathy's that are out there and in our lives, we're not showing them who Jesus really is. We're not welcoming them. Do we welcome the people Jesus welcomes? That's an important question to ask ourselves. Let's make another observation about this story, though. Take a close look at the woman here and look at those outcasts and those oddballs in our world and notice this. Look at how they welcome Jesus. Simon invites Jesus to his home but he doesn't welcome him. Now, homes in those days were, were open. They were very, very open places. Obviously, there was no glass for the windows, so the windows were just holes in the walls that anybody could see through. There was no insulation, so there was no muffling of sound. Everybody could hear. If you were having a party, everyone knew. In the center of the home, very often, there would be a large open place for entertaining guests. 
We've already seen back in Luke chapter 5 at the, the party that Levi threw for Jesus, people were watching and overhearing the conversations and wandering through and around the party the whole time. And we see that happening here again in Simon's home. And so this woman, uninvited, unwelcome, she hears that Jesus is in town and she's able to go to him and perform this act of welcoming, this act of love, and an act of repentance. Again, verse 37, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Let me be clear here. There is no way to read this story without understanding. This was weird. <laughs> this was awkward. This was, this was cringeworthy. This was a very cringeworthy event. And I promise you, everyone there felt that. Just as everyone who knew Kathy saw the way that she would give herself to man after man, never, never finding the love she so desperately wanted. And so we see this woman, and we might ask, is, is she treating Jesus the way she would treat a, a client? Do we see that? Or do we see that this is the only way she's ever known how to offer herself? Jesus asks a question of Simon. And we need to ask the same question of those in our lives. Verse 44, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? Do you see her? Not do you see her sin, not do you see her filth, not do you see her offense, but do you, not do you see this race, do you see this political party, do you see this economic status, but do you see this person, do you see this person created in the image of God, this person that Jesus would die for, this person who was created to spend eternity with God? Are we able to see that person the way that Jesus sees them? And when we truly see her, we realize this this is not just the story of Jesus welcoming a sinner. This is a story of a sinner welcoming Jesus. She's provided for Jesus' comfort. She washes his feet. She anoints him. She welcomes his presence with a kiss. Simon is the host who's not really a host, and she's the host who isn't even a guest. And Jesus offers a parable. Verse 40, Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. We get it, right? I mean, the meaning of the story is apparent to us, right? I mean, if someone forgives you, you will love them. If they forgive you a lot, you're going to love them a lot. Simon sees that. You and I see that. Do the Cathy's out there see that? 
the pe- do the people in our lives who are desperate for forgiveness, do they see that lived out in you and me? Do they see that in the way that we welcome them, the way that we see them? Do they see that the size of your sin is met with the abundance of God's grace? That's the message that this story communicates, and that's the message that we need to communicate to our world. Not the message that get your life straightened out first, get your life straightened out, get cleaned up, get, uh, get yourself looking right, acting right, and then you can come, then you can come to Jesus, but rather that he, he welcomes you as the mess that you are, that for every broken person out there, there is a Savior who has been broken. They need a broken Savior. They need friends who will love them through their brokenness. At the end of the story, verses 47 through 49, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And then those who were at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? (laughs) Who indeed is this? Back in chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus forgives the sins of a paralyzed man. And the people respond by saying, Who can forgive sins but God alone? (laughs) That's who he is. Here he is, God in the flesh, God incarnate, God in the person of Jesus Christ, being touched, God being touched by the untouchable, being loved by the unlovable, being welcomed by the unwelcomed. And forgiving this woman who doesn't know how to forgive herself. The size of your sin is met with the abundance of God's grace. That's the message. That's the message that we communicate when we truly welcome people. Not just just invite them. Not just tell them what time our services are and and where we're meeting or, or what our website address is, but welcome them and let them know that they are loved, valued, cared for, that their needs will be met. You know, you know, Kansas Christian Church, uh, it's not going to be much longer. It's not going to be much longer before we're able to be back together again in this building. And we need to be asking ourselves, who do we want to see here with us? Who do we want in this building? And right now, we, we miss each other. We really want to see each other. But, but right now, we need to be thinking about, about the people that we want to see here for the first time. And those people need to be in our hearts right now. They need to be in our prayers. They need to be in our lives. We need to be reaching out to them, loving them, encouraging them, welcoming them into our lives and doing for them the things that Jesus longs to do. The last thing we read of this story is verse 50. It says, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I think about Kathy. Her story, her story didn't end well. She never found peace. There's so much of that was because Kathy 
couldn't accept herself. She didn't know how to accept herself. I wish, I wish she could have learned that, and I wish she could have found that in the way that we welcomed her, the way that we would have accepted her, the way that we would have given her a place at the table. It's really not a far trip from Jesus reclining at Simon's table here in chapter 7 to Jesus in the upper room at the end of the Gospel of Luke, reclining at table with his disciples, breaking the bread and sharing the cup. There's an old story that I've always loved. It's about Dr. John Duncan. Dr. Duncan was a preacher and a teacher and a theologian in, in Scotland. And one day he was attending a, a church service. He was attending a service. They were going to have communion at a Scottish Highland church. And for some reason that day, Dr. Duncan was feeling down and, and defeated. And he, he just let the communion pass by. As they passed the bread and the cup, he, he just let it pass by because he didn't feel worthy of it. He felt the weight of his sin. Sitting there feeling miserable, he looked across the audience, he looked across the church, and he noticed a young girl in the congregation who also let the cup and the loaf pass by her. And as he looked, he saw her tears as she hung her head, and it broke him. He found himself in tears. It drove him back to the truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus' love and of the forgiveness and the peace that he offers us. And so he got up from his seat and he went to her. And in his, in his thick Scottish brogue, he said, Take it, lassie. Take it. It's meant for sinners. And he knelt down and took the Lord's Supper with her. Now, if today you're feeling unworthy, unworthy of the communion that you've already prepared, the juice and the bread. If you're feeling unwelcome, if you're feeling ashamed of your brokenness, if you're not worthy of the bread and the cup that you've prepared today, let me remind you, it's meant for sinners. And Jesus stands ready to welcome you, to forgive you, and to offer you his peace. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray for my friends today. I want to pray for those who maybe, maybe are feeling unworthy, who maybe are, are realizing just how far away from you they are. And yet, the message that we have in the gospel is that you are right across the table and that you invite us into your presence. I pray for them as they take the bread, that they're reminded that, a, that the body of your son was broken for them. I pray, Father, that as they take the cup, that they would be reminded of the shared sacrifice of his blood that makes us one, that makes us one family. Lord, that shared sacrifice that welcomes us into your presence. Lord, today, in a very special way, Make your presence known to them through this time and remind them of your love. Remind them of your forgiveness and remind them of your peace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.